Slam Fest podcast, where we bring the premier rock concert pre-gaming experience from the parking lot to the podcasting airwaves. I'm Brad. So, going to cover my last show that I attended at the 2006 Common Ground Music Festival. I had seen this artist a couple of times before, but both times were in an opening slot. This episode is going to revolve around the Ted Nugent concert I saw on July 16th. 2006 at the Common Ground Music Festival, Adato Riverfront Park in Lansing, Michigan. So the two times I had seen him before were in the opening slot of Kiss's Farewell Tour in the year 2000. Saw him in Grand Rapids and in Auburn Hills. Surprisingly, this was the first and only time that Ted performed at this festival in his home state, which at the time he was living down in Jackson, Michigan, which is only about a half hour south of Lansing. So a couple other things regarding the 2006 Common Ground Music Festival. So I obviously covered seeing Tesla, Cheap Trick, the Poison Cinderella End Ever After concert, and then this Ted Nugent concert is the last one that I saw during this year's event. There were a couple other bands that performed at this year's Common Ground that I did not see, and unfortunately still have not seen them. So the first one was Styx, who performed on July 13th, and again, (laughs) to this day, I have never seen Styx. And then the other one was the Bengals were there on July 15th. 
And that is a major regret right there. It wasn't the original band. Susanna Hoffs was there, Debbie Peterson was there, and Vicki Peterson was there, but they had replaced the original bass player with Abby Travis. So obviously this sucks that I didn't see them, but looking back on this festival, even though it was in my backyard, I mean, being out until 11, 11.30 during the work week, you know, you still couldn't do every single night. So you had to pick and choose, but there's some regrets right there, especially with the fact that I have never seen either one of those bands. So background with the band on the bill. So I talked about Ted a little bit during those farewell tour episodes when he opened for Kiss, but really kind of got into him into the 80s first with the album Penetrator and Little Miss Dangerous and obviously went backwards from there. So on to the show. So this tour was actually called Unleash the Beast 2006. American Rockout Tour. So the blurb in the Common Ground program. Common Ground welcomes home the unmistakable Ted Nugent on Sunday, July 16th for Night of Killer Rock and Roll. He has been playing since he was 10 and has sold over 30 million albums, making the Motor City Madman one of rock's greatest legends. He is known for his fast, loud, hard guitar licks, they create a sound only Ted Nugent himself could master. Just a few of his hit songs include Cat Scratch Fever, Fred Bear, Motor City Madhouse, and Stranglehold. So sit back, put in your earplugs, and hold on as Uncle Ted revs up his guitar and gets ready to end the festival with a bang. So yeah, this ended the Common Ground Music Festival, and they usually tried to get a decent name to either kick off the festival or close the festival, or both in certain years. So Ted's set list started off with Star Spangled Banner, Stormtroopin', Wango Tango, and then went into a little bit of You Really Got Me, Snakeskin Cowboys, Free For All, Wang Dang Sweet Poontang, A Blues Jam, Cluster Funky, Raw Dogs and Warhogs, Soul Man, Hey Baby, Dog Eat Dog, Kiss My Ass, Cat Scratch Fever, and close the regular set with Stranglehold, and then Encored Fred Bear. So the breakdown, four songs off of the self-titled debut, two songs from Free For All, two songs from Cat Scratch Fever, zero songs from Weekend Warriors and State of Shock, one song from Scream Dream, zero songs from Nugent, through If You Can't Lick Em, Lick Em, two songs from Spirit of the Wild, two songs from Crave Man, and I said three and a half cover songs if you include the little medley with Wango Tango where he played You Really Got Me. So again, just a three-piece, Barry Sparks on bass and Mick Brown on drums. So set list, a little bit, I mean, nothing really... Overly surprising there, focused on the first three solo albums, kind of ignored those two towards the end of the 70s, which again, have some decent tracks on there. Wish he would uh, touch that stuff a little bit. And then I know he's not going to touch anything 
from the 80s for the most part. I know Scream Dream came out in 1980, but I'm talking about the stuff in the 80s that he released that he did not touch, and it's it's too bad that he doesn't uh, doesn't get into that stuff at least a little bit. And then, like I mentioned, three and a half covers. So the Star Spangled Banner, you really got me a blues jam in there, and then the cover of Soul Man, which that's all fine. Again, wish you would uh, play either some stuff off of those late 70s albums or the 80s albums instead of those cover songs that he did. But overall, ton of energy coming off that stage with just a three-piece Ted wearing the Madonna microphone so he can be playing the whole time. American flag backdrop, camo kind of covering both back lines and the drum riser and he had an American flag coming up behind his back line. A couple of funny notes towards the end of the set. Obviously, before he plays Cat Scratch Fever, he talks about that riff or that song, you know, being right out of Motown and, you know, that a Motown riff and all that type of thing. And then Stranglehold, I know he said something about that being the number one guitar lick in the world and playing it and stopping it and just, you know, just being like, there's, there's nothing like that riff. And it's a good riff, and but that's that's Ted for you, right? He's he's gonna be all about uh, all about him. But again, overall, it was a blast seeing him so close to his hometown. And to close out the festival, it was a uh, it was a great great show. And now onto the concert calendar. So Ted Nugent currently doesn't have any upcoming events and go to his website. He says to make sure you don't miss out on any new date announcement, please join the mailing list. So if you're interested in seeing Ted, sign up for that or just check his official website for future dates. And now on to the band on the Bill Spotlight. So obviously... Focusing on Ted Nugent here, back on episode 65, one of those Kiss Farewell shows from 2000. I actually focused on Ted Nugent during this segment and went through his 80s albums post-Scream Dream and ranked those four. So for this one, I'm going back to his heyday, the 70s, and going to do two faves, one least fave off of his first five solo albums. So starting off with the self-titled, released in September of 1975. Could not find an exact release day, but September of 75, produced by Tom Worman and Lou Futterman, and is certified two times platinum. So I'm going to be a little boring <laughs> with this one but you know my the two faves you know it's it's pretty obvious on this on this record so starting off with stranglehold and ballsy move to start your actual debut studio album under the ted nugent solo name 
with an eight minute plus song <laughs> is uh, takes uh, takes a pair. But amazing riff intro kicks in with the great drum fill, just a great vibe to the song. Again, great way to introduce solo Ted to the world. Obviously great lead work during the traditional solo. And then that breakdown, that classic breakdown, where that underlying bass line is so badass and sounds so good. Teases getting back into the main part of the song with that machine gun drumming in there, but it's like, not yet. And then I believe that's Ted lending his vocal there in the middle. Yeah, sometimes you want to get higher part. And then one of the longest songs to be played consistently on classic rock radio. But just a, just an absolute jam. And then I went with Stormtroopin' and one of my favorite Ted Nugent songs of all time. Great repetitive riff throughout the whole song. So it's that same riff during the verse and the chorus. Simple but effective. Chorus, get ready. And then those power chords in there. Ready, ready, stormtroopers coming. Drum breakdown into a harmonizing solo. Very cool when the bass comes back in. Again, just barely over three minutes, but works out great as an opener for a concert. And then least favorite, you know, I, I've never been a big fan of Hey Baby. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know. And maybe it was getting bombarded with that song on the radio, but again, kind of has an Aerosmith kind of feel, kind of groove to it, but I don't know. I just never, uh, never really liked that song, but I'm actually going with Motor City Madhouse, and I don't know. The verses are brutal. Again, Ted being Ted, and I get it. I, I understand <laughs> that that was obviously by design, kind of in his character and all of that thing, but it just doesn't work for me. Not something that I'm gonna pull out. And then the chorus, I don't know. Just the the Motor City Madhouse, Madhouse. I never never did anything for me. So that is my least fave off of the debut album. Next up, Free For All, release date September 1976. Again don't have the actual day. Again, produced by Tom Worman, Lou Futterman, and add drummer Cliff Davies to the credit. And Free For All is certified two times platinum. So obviously the hits are great. The title cut, Dog Eat Dog, but I have to go with some quote-unquote meat songs. And by that, I'm talking about Meatloaf on vocals. So I'm starting off with Together. Cool intro, bass line, keys in there. Drum fill into a cool riff. Sounds a lot like Circle by Big Head Todd. <laughs> if that if he didn't borrow this riff, I'd be I'd be shocked for that song. Lead fill into the verse, mellow after each verse line, some great power chords in there. Pre-chorus, Meatloaf sounds great. Double-tracked vocal and the melody. The crystal ball showed me all there was to see. Chorus, backing vocals, your time and my time together. Great harmonies together. 
underlying main riff, cool lead fills throughout, solo, underlying bass line during that solo is awesome. And then I went with I Love You So I Told You a Lie, actually written by drummer Clifford Davies. Cool lead melody into a great riff, verse, driving bass, lead fills are great. Pre-chorus, I said, hey, I want out of here and nobody tagging behind. Chorus, don't you know? And then backing vocals, I love you so I told you a lie. Love you so I told you a lie. And then just Meatloaf singing when I told you goodbye. Great backing vocals and melody with the underlying riff. Great groove. Second pre-chorus, we could have had a good thing, but I never wanted to try. Post-solo breakdown, some backing vocal ahs back there, underlying fills. Outro, don't you know, I love you so. Don't you know, I love you so I told you. And then don't you know, I love you so I told you a lie. So a great build there as he's adding on to the lines of the chorus. Great guitar fills in there. And then great meatloaf interjections and a great scream in there as well. So yes, I'm free for all. I'm going with a song not even written by Ted Nugent. That's <laughs> one of my two faves. And then least fave, going with Turn It Up. I don't know, too, too upbeat. Again, I'm not a huge fan of songs just upbeat to be kind of upbeat. I think the opening line killed it for me. Hey, good looking, what you got cooking? Uh, no, no. Pre-chorus sounds like it's trying to be Rock and Roll by Zeppelin. The been a long time, been a long time part is all over that. And then during the first two solo breaks of the song, it slows down in tempo, which is interesting. And then outro soloing, the ooh yeah, ooh yeah part from Zeppelin's Rock and Roll. Whew. He is lifting that all over. Come on, Derek, be a little bit more original. Next up, Cat Scratch Fever, released May 13th. Actually, have a day, 1977. Again, produced by Tom Worman, Lou Futterman, and drummer Cliff Davies. And Cat Scratch Fever is certified three times platinum. So again, obviously the title cut and Wang Bang Sweet Poontang are obvious classics. But I'm going to go with some different tracks here and I'm going to do something. I'm sure no one who's been a longtime listener of this podcast would ever think that I would do. Choose an instrumental as one of my two faves from an album. So I'm going with Homebound. Just a great lead melody throughout, intro, and then accompanied with drums, and the bass kicks in, changes to what could be called the chorus, lead fill sounding in there twice, tempo change, slows down, great lead work in there again, kind of some harmony lead guitars in there, then back to the original lead melody with underlying machine gun drumming, then it goes up in key, original lead melody in there and then culminates with the original lead melody with some lead work over it a lot going on in there just a very very cool piece of music and then i'm also going with a thousand knives 
cool lead melody intro, some harmonies in there. I think that riff sounds like something from the Beatles, but then also sounds like Ted himself sounds like just what the doctor ordered. Verse, call and response with the harmony leads. Chorus, you've got the intro riff back. I've ducked a lot, but like a thousand knives, they're cutting into you, babe. It happens to you every day. And then after verse two, chorus two's got a little bit of a variation. So you've got backing vocals now. I've ducked a lot, but like a thousand knives, listen to what I say. The time has come for you to pay. Great, great backing vocals in there. Great solo. And then in the outro, some great harmonizing soloing going on in there. And then least favorite went with Sweet Sally. Ah, I don't know. So repetitive. Sweet Sally over and over and over. She's a friend of Ted's and likes it double time. And it's just, <laughs> it's only two and a half minutes. So how many different lyrical thoughts could he actually have? Not many. So just not, not a good song. Next up, Weekend Warriors, released September 1978, so back to not having an actual day. Same production team, Tom Worman, Lou Futterman, and Cliff Davies. And this one is only certified one times platinum. So with this one, I, I went with, I mean, Weekend Warriors, the title cut is cool. Opening riff. Chorus, I'm a weekend, weekend warrior, weekend, weekend warrior. Great solo in there. But, you know, there's not enough interesting in that song for it to be a fave. I've got to have a little bit something more than just verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, and then outro. So, going with Venom Soup, about a minute and a half intro, <laughs> which I'm not a huge fan of, into a very cool riff, great lead work in there. Verse, very cool vocal delivery, ends with dishing out your venom soup. And then the chorus, you've got a tempo change, backing vocals, my saber never cuts you, you have the magic charm, my saber never ever cuts you, you are the demon's arm. Not totally sure what all that means, but chorus two, the percussion drops out, and again, has that same chorus tempo change in there but no percussion which is interesting very cool arrangement again just something different very cool solo outro dishing out your venom soup and then i went with smokescreen cool riff kind of a stranglehold vibe but a little bit faster verse delivery and melody are very cool chorus smokescreen call and response with the riff after the second chorus Great solo, underlying bass line is <laughs> strangleholdish, but again, a little bit faster. And the solo is a bit similar in spots to stranglehold. And then least favorite, going with tight spots. Uh, not a bad riff, but just the vibe <laughs> and the lyrics are terrible. Really, Ted, a vertical smile reference in this song. What? I guess he had to find something that rhymed with while. And again, this song's not even three minutes long, so not a ton of substance here. And last but not least, State of Shock, released May 1979. Just Lou Futterman and Cliff Davies. 
credited on the production, so Tom Worman was gone, and State of Shock was only certified gold. So with this one, enter a new lead vocalist, Charlie Hewn. So I'm going with Satisfied, feedback into a very cool riff, kind of a variation of Cat Scratch Fever. So you see a theme here, Ted likes to reuse stuff, change the tempos, have a slight variation in the chord progression to make it different enough, but he likes to go back to the same bass riff. Drums and bass kick in, verse follows the riff, which, eh, it's okay. Again, not a huge fan of when that happens. Pre-chorus is cool. Chorus kind of takes a left turn, but a good left turn. And I know that you like it, and I know that you need it now, and I know you want it bad until you're satisfied. Very cool underlying riff and lead melody. After the second chorus, cool riff. And yelling out satisfied, feedback into a great melodic solo, more feedback, multiple lead tracks going on at the same time. So interesting arrangement in there, outro, chorus riffing with some more great lead work. And my other fave from here, Saddle Sore, more feedback into another badass riff, verse riff, chugging, lead fills in there. Pre-chorus, dancing down, and then backing vocals, dancing down. Chorus, backing vocals, because I'm feeling saddle sore, saddle sore again. Feeling saddle sore, saddle sore, my friend. Great underlying riffing, slides on the neck in there. Lead fills are great. Pre-chorus two, can't sit down. Backing vocals, call and response, can't sit down. And then after the second chorus, a great, great solo. And I wanted to give a nod to the song Alone. Very cool, mellow song. Kind of a cross between Love Hurts and Simple Man, but slower. Great backing vocals during the chorus. Outro, not used to being alone. Over and over and over. Very, very cool. Also wanted to note the song I want to tell you. That's <laughs> a very... Very Cat Scratch Fever intro to it. And then my least favorite, Take It or Leave It. Again, kind of starts off with the chorus and this long take it or leave it, which I don't like, and that's how the, the song starts. Verse, not a huge fan of Ted's lead vocal here. Chorus, eh, again, it's that melody and, and chorus that started off the song. Lots of cool fills in there, though. And then after the second chorus, kind of takes a left turn. It's cool riff. Lots of stop and go and some interjections from Ted. Some hums and uh-huhs. Some cool soloing again in there. But then the outro, you've got the take it or take it or. And uh, I just don't like it. Don't like it at all. So overall, interesting going back and, and taking a listen to those five albums, you know, um, Weekend Warriors and State of Shock, like I mentioned, get ignored in the set list. There's some, there's some cool stuff on there. It'd be, it'd be interesting if you would pull some of that stuff out at some times. And again, the classics are classics. Kind of wanted to dive into some different stuff during this segment. And again, if you haven't listened to these albums in a while, 
go back and check them out. So now on to the Slamfest tip of the week. So I mentioned this during Ted Nugent's set list, that he's a 70s artist who was trying to figure out how he fit in the 80s with some of the material that he released, but completely ignored that portion of his discography and continues to do so to this day. So I started to think about most of the big bands from the 70s and, you know, how some of them changed their sound in the 80s to kind of fit the 80s and others that just continued to forge on. But started to think, what do these legacy bands do with that material? So ACDC, obviously, big band in the 70s, but bigger band in the early 80s, but released a bunch of albums in the 80s which they unfortunately ignore. I don't know the last time they played something off of Flick of the Switch, Fly on the Wall, Blow Up Your Video, that stuff always gets ignored. Bad Companies, interesting, obviously, because they kind of reinvented themselves with Brian Howe coming in in the 80s. But if they've done any touring recently, they obviously do not touch any of that stuff from the 80s, which was actually pretty popular. I think they were selling platinum albums and and had hit songs, but they do not play any of that stuff. Aerosmith, so they're an interesting uh, case study. So their heyday, obviously in the 70s, early 80s, you know, they were had different lineups and then mid 80s, you know, they, they got back together with the original band and put out two huge albums. You go see Aerosmith today, they are going to play <laughs> some of that stuff and they have to because of the hits that are on those albums. Cheap Trick is interesting, obviously heyday in the 70s, but released quite a few albums in the 80s as well. And Cheap Trick's kind of an anomaly here because they mix their set list up all the time and it, it could include some of this stuff from the 80s and could include deep tracks from the 70s up through stuff that they've released today. So they're, they're kind of an inter interesting uh, look. Heart, obviously, 70s band and had reinvented themselves in the 80s and had some huge albums, huge hits, so they're obviously going to play stuff from the 80s. Kiss, so, you know, Kiss is interesting because when they reunited in the 90s, they focused strictly on makeup era stuff, and then when they did that farewell tour in 2000, they brought back a handful of hits from the 80s, and to this day, they do play a couple songs from the 80s, but they don't really dive into that material too much. Scorpions. So Scorpions are interesting because, again, they're a 70s band, but they got big in the 80s. So automatically, they're going to play stuff from that era because that was the era that broke them. So that's kind of unique. 
And then Van Halen is obviously interesting with the Roth era stuff versus the Hagar era stuff. And, you know, when they got back with Dave, you know, the only way to see any of that Hagar era stuff was to see Hagar solo. And I know Hagar obviously performed DLR era stuff when he was in the band, but that did not... Uh, Roth did not reciprocate uh, with playing any Hagar era stuff when he was in the band. And then ZZ Top's interesting. Obviously a 70s band got huge with an album in the 80s and with some of the other albums in the 80s and those singles. So when you see them, you get a good split of 70s stuff and 80s stuff. Which So I guess the point I'm making here is... I don't know why you would ignore an era completely, and I know Nugent had some videos, had some minor success. I mean, these weren't million-selling albums in the 80s, but, you know, there was some stuff on there that would lend itself to a live set today, and wish he would entertain that. Because, to be honest with you, I'm not going back to see Ted Nugent again unless he mixes up that set list which is not going to happen at this point so now to close this episode out with which side are you on so again sticking with ted nugent but i thought you know what let's mix this up a little bit Let's take a look at his first live album and do a side one, two, three, or four. So Double Live Gonzos, released January 1978, produced by Lou Futterman and Tom Worman, charted number 13, and is certified three times platinum. So based on the credits, this is taken from a handful of shows. Nashville, 1977, Abilene, Texas, 1977, San Antonio, 1976, Dallas, 1976, Seattle, 1977, and then Springfield, 1976. And we thought they knew how to rock in Shelbyville. But nobody rocks like Springfield. Springfield. Oh, surprise, there is no Detroit show included in this live album. Overall, it sounds great, especially the rhythm section. Bass and drums have a lot of punch in there. And again, the order of this is a little bit wacky uh, based on, you know, the ends of some of these songs. It sounds like the show has ended and you're on track six or whatever. So a little odd on how they uh, ordered the songs. But again, overall, it sounds great. It does sound different uh, with different songs and, again, some of the different uh, cities and, and venues where this thing was recorded. But side one starts off with just what the doctor ordered. Great opener, great song. Just, just very, very cool. Sounds great. Yank Me, Crank Me. So here's a song that wasn't on any of the first three solo albums that they were doing. 
I, I don't know. Not a huge fan. Just kind of a, just kind of a dumb cock rock song. Cool riff in there, but overall not a huge fan of it. Gonzo, badass riff. Kind of a you can hear a mistake early on in the intro of that riff, which is fine and you know not a not a huge deal. This song probably should have been put second uh, in my opinion on this live album. Then you hear some more mistakes in the riff kind of during the breakdown uh, after the solo. And uh, you know on one hand, kind of think, yeah, not a big deal, but you know like uh, I think like Paul Stanley said with regards to a live, do you want to hear <laughs> those mistakes over and over and over and over? for the rest of time when you're listening to it? Eh, I don't. And then the fourth and final song on side one, Baby Please Don't Go. Again, this is a cover, but it's a, so it's a, a Amboy Dukes song that they covered, uh, obviously, and, and so now he's got it on here. So, eh, not, not a huge fan of including a cover. He's got enough material to have all originals on here and then obviously a san antonio drop early on it does sound good i will i will give it that but how funny during the outro san antonio uh, name drops again a couple times and then somebody throws out a suck my bonio instead of san antonio which uh, not sure who that is and then of course they say goodnight and we'll be back and it's track four on this live album what the fuck is going on side two just has two tracks so great white buffalo which was a standard on classic rock radio at least up here in michigan love it always have loved it great great song and then hibernation which a has a long intro so ted talking about his guitar from detroit and talking about detroit being the murder capital healthy place for <laughs> the boys and girls this guitar refuses to play anything sweet just again a lot of a lot of funny uh comments by ted and then ted plays around with a lot of feedback and volume knob stuff so at about the six minute mark this song actually kicks in very very cool instrumental cool lead melodies and soloing in there ends kind of muted so everything is is taken down and it's and it's quieter and then obviously there's a big concert ending ending to this song side three kicks off with stormtrooping awesome it starts off with a, a solo sounds great and they extend this thing out to about eight minutes so there's an extended solo in there, but just comes across great live. Riff is crunchy, sounds sounds great. And then Stranglehold is the other song on side three, which again is extended to about 12 minutes or so. Music sounds kind of thin on here. I mean, Derek sounds great, but I don't know, the, the riff, it's such a great riff and it. I don't think it sounds that great. Again, extended breakdown and solo in there. When it's just the bass and drums, I think it sounds good. But when the guitar is in there, that bass kind of loses what, what is so cool about it on the studio version. 
and I, I, I'll be honest, I like the studio version better, and it's not because I've heard it more, it just sounds better. And then again, here we go, so the name drop, Springfield. Nobody rocks like Springfield! At the end of probably their biggest song on this live album, which I think is funny. And then side four's got three tracks on it, so Wang Dang Sweet Poontang, Sounds great, cool riff, comes across very well live. And then Cat Scratch Fever, he introduces it as a new song. Sounded good, love the ending. He's kind of singing Cat Scratch Fever with the riff as the song comes to an end, very, very cool. And then Motor City Madhouse closes it out. And I already talked about this song, not being a big fan of it. You know, again, it's upbeat, um, but I don't know, just not a fan. Chorus is a little better on here than the studio version. It's a little bit more raw, and I think that's uh, what uh, maybe puts this version over the studio version. Uh, but again, not a huge fan of the song. So looking at these four sides, I mean, the, the first side is, is good. It kicks off good, just what the doctor ordered. Uh, Gonzo is on there. Those are probably my favorites. Great White Buffalo, Love, and the Hibernation instrumental, I think, is is very cool. Side three, Stormtroopin', sounds great, but kind of, you know, wasn't a huge fan of this version of Stranglehold, so that that side kind of uh, is lacking a little bit. And then side four, Wang Dang, Sweet Poontang is great, Cat Scratch Fever sounds great, and Motor City Madhouse, you know, is just okay. So, I, you know, I think... I think I'm going to go with side two. Great White Buffalo, that version is great. And then Hibernation, I thought was a cool, cool instrumental. And, you know, just two tracks on there, but I loved them both. So I'm going with side two out of the four sides of Ted Nugent's live album, Double Live Gonzos, from 1978. Did anyone see Ted Nugent live in 2006? If so, when and where, and what were your thoughts, memories, or stories from that show? What are your two faves and one least fave from Ted Nugent's first five solo studio albums? The self-titled through State of Shock. And last but not least, what are your thoughts on Ted Nugent's first live album, Double Live Gonzos from 1978, side one, two, three, or four. Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at slamfestpodcast at gmail.com. Request to join our private Facebook page at Slamfest Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. (laughs) 